Please help me welcome J. Lauren Norris. Sometimes it doesn't matter, well, how many times you try to do it. If what you're doing is wrong, defective, ill-informed, ill-advised, badly executed, doing it again and again and again and again and again and again and again isn't really practice which makes perfect. In fact, it's uh, closer to the actual definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. You would be amazed how many people apply that principle, though, doing it again and again and again and again and again, to trying to become better communicators, better leaders, better speakers. That's what I want to talk about in this episode of Leading Leaders. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast, and I have a story of my own of doing it over and over again and thinking, if I just keep trying, I'll eventually figure it out. And so I want to give you this story, similarly to the way that I share it from the platform, for the purpose of understanding that the story is the teaching point. I want you to understand as I'm giving the story, there's a lot of teaching point behind it. And it's not just the little hook at the end that says, here's what I learned. It's through the course of the process, there are other observations that can be made that are other teaching points. And some of them are not taught. They're just caught. You receive them and you think, oh yeah, kind of did a similar thing myself. But they're embedded in the story so that the story itself becomes the the sticky little seed stuck in your whiskers that travels with you to another place. Are you catching on to that metaphor? I've used it several times now. I hope I hope it's sticking with you and that it's a story that travels with you. But this is another story. I use it a lot. I use it in almost every signature talk because it makes the point of practice doesn't make perfect. It makes permanent. Here's the story. Oh, yes. I just set that story up more than I ever set up any story so that you'll pay attention to the story itself. And listen, if you're taking notes because you feel like you could learn a thing or two about better communication skills, then now's a good time to take some notes. And here's what I'm going to challenge you to take some notes on. During the course of the story, ask yourself, how many teaching points did I observe? How many things were embedded in there where I didn't go, this is going to be on the test? And yet, you realize, oh, that's an observation I probably should have made on my own, like way back when, a couple of terms ago, a couple of miles down that old dirt road. I should have decided that was a bad idea and turned around before I drove off the cliff. Yeah, there's going to be some of those moments in this story, but I'm not going to tell you what they are. I suspect you'll recognize them. And if you're both astute in listening and coachable in learning, you'll have an aha moment. I would love it if during that aha moment, you were to type in the chat what you learn or send me an email or send me a a message on any one of the social media platforms and say, here's what I picked up in that story, how it applied to me and what I should have done differently way back when. We started a DJ company by accident in 2005. By 2009, I left corporate America after 10 years at a Fortune 50 company in marketing. 
I had started in sales and worked my way up to the market manager of all things expansion market and a Fortune 50 company. So I'd, I'd seen a lot in the ways of marketing and ad agencies and, and various exposures. And I realized when I started my little DJ company that you're probably going to need some advertising and some marketing. And I went about the business of trying to get some graphic t-shirts done. Well, when I saw that you had to order a thousand of them to make it worthwhile, then I wasn't really in the merchandise business. I just wanted some branding for myself, you know, something I could wear around town or wear at events or put on my team. I decided I didn't want to buy a thousand of them. I wanted like five. And unfortunately, in this industry, if you buy five, you pay the same price that if you bought a thousand of them because the setup charge is the most expensive. So I did what every smart person, I did what a lot of people did. I went to Walmart and I bought iron-on transfers. I bought some t-shirts, undershirts, just plain white to start with. And I bought some iron-on transfers. And I went home and I designed them on my printer and I printed out the ones that said you can use them with your inkjet printer at home. I printed out some transfers and I put them on the t-shirt and I got my home iron and I ironed them on. Then I picked it up and I had a big white shiny box around the outside of my graphics and it looked like crap. And I thought, that doesn't represent my brand well. I'm not using that. Must be, it's gotta be this cheap iron of mine. It's not hot enough. And so I did what every wife I did what a lot of people would do. I went to Craigslist and I found a t-shirt press, you know, the big one. And so I bought a t-shirt press and I brought it home and I had my regular t-shirts and I had my iron on transfers and I put t-shirts on there and I put transfers on there and I, well, now I got a few hundred dollars invested in this press and I got the regular t-shirts and I got the regular transfers. And guess what I got when I lifted up the platen on this very expensive press? Very expensive crap. The same crap I had before with the big white shiny box around the outside of it, and it looked terrible. And so I thought, well, obviously it's not the press. It must be either the t-shirts or the transfers. So I bought better t-shirts. And I brought home my expensive t-shirts, and I put on my expensive press with the same transfers, and I put the transfer on it. And guess what I got? You guessed it. More expensive crap. So now I've got a whole stack of very ugly, useless, not brand worthy t-shirts that I'm not going to put into the marketplace. This is not going to work. And so I went back to the internet and I did some more searching and I did what every smart, well, I did what a lot of people would do. I bought more expensive transfers. Well, if it's not the press, it's not the iron, it's not the shirt, it's got to be a better t-shirt. If that's not it, the only dynamic left has got to be the transfer. Well, you may not know this, but transfers, this is probably the reason you got to buy a bundle of t-shirts. Transfers, if you buy the professional transfers, only come in a box of a thousand. So now I've got expensive transfers and expensive shirts and an expensive press. And I still am not getting what I want. So I put my t-shirt down and I put this expensive transfer on it and I followed the instructions to a T. And I pick it up and I can't get the transfer paper off the t-shirt. We pulled on it with tweezers. We scraped on it with razor blades. We picked at it with an X-Acto knife. Hours. We couldn't get the paper off the t-shirt. I didn't have the problem with the white box anymore. I just had white covering up the whole logo. So I took a sample or two 
to the local t-shirt shop and I found the guy who owned the shop and I said, this is what I'm getting. What am I doing wrong? And he laughed at me and he said, you're trying to do it yourself. Oh, we have professional equipment back here for this. I'm like, I got a professional press. I've got the professional transfers. I've got the upgraded t-shirts. What am I doing wrong? He said, you're trying to do it yourself. Just bring us your artwork. We'll take care of it. Sounds like a sales pitch to me. Doesn't sound like a solution. Doesn't sound like anybody wants to teach me anything. Sounds like somebody who wants to sell me something. Sound familiar? Yeah, so I went back home and I was very, very frustrated with my expensive press and my expensive t-shirts, my expensive transfers. So I called the company that I bought the transfers from. Obviously, they're not going to take back the t-shirts. I've ruined them. The guy that I bought the press from, not going to take that back. It was used when I bought it. But I called the company I got the transfers from and I said, listen, I have spent a lot of money on this process. I've got dozens of wasted t-shirts. It all looks like crap. This is not working well. And I just want to get my money back from these very expensive professional transfers. And the guy on the other end of the line said, need you pop and stretch it? Did I whoosie what's it? He said, did you pop and stretch it? I said, I, I don't know what you're talking about. All I know is I, I put bad t-shirts and bad transfers on a bad iron and that didn't work. So I bought a press and then I put bad t-shirts and bad transfers on a press and I, psh, and nothing, crap. And then I put more expensive t-shirts on the press and psh, more expensive crap. And now I put your professional transfers on expensive t-shirts on an expensive press and psh, I get crap. Very expensive crap. I've wasted a lot of money on crap and I want my money back. He said, well, do you have one more? Do I have one more what? Bit of patience? No, it's all gone. He said, do you have one more good t-shirt? Yes. Do you have a design printed? Yes. Is it on one of my good transfers? <laughs> it's on one of them expensive one, yeah. He said, all right, here's what I want you to do. Turn that press on. How hot does your press get? And I said, well, it says to do it at 35 for 30 seconds and, or 350 degrees for 30 seconds. And, and he said, no, crank it all the way up to 550. I said, do what? He said, crank it all the way up to 550. And then I want you to put that t-shirt on and spread it out real good and, and preheat it. Get it nice and warm before we get started. Doesn't mention that in any of the content that I've been reading. Doesn't, nobody's video says preheat the shirt. I bet that's a secret I should have known along the way. So I stretch out my t-shirt and I put it on there and I get it nice and flat and nice and it looks really sharp. Nice. It's pressed. It's a pressed shirt before I even start. He said, now I want you to go ahead and put your transfer on there and pull that, hand, that handle down and, and lock that platen in place until I tell you to let it up. All right. So I pull it down and I lock it in place and I'm waiting and I'm watching the timer and the timer goes off. Bing! It's done. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to lift it up. He said, no, 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 wait till I tell you to. He said, now, I want you to put your phone on, on speaker and, and put it down because you're going to need both hands. All right. So I put it on speaker. I lay it down. I'm looking at the press. It's smoking now. He said, just wait till I tell you to. I'm like, but what if it bursts into flames? Oh, it ain't going to burst into flames. But it's smoking. It's supposed to do that. Really? Supposed to smoke? That... That's what I'm missing. It's supposed to smoke first. He said, now, when I tell you to, I want you to lift that handle up. And as soon as, you, as soon as it comes all the way up, grab both sleeves of that shirt and pull it as fast as you can. Well, I lifted that thing up. I grabbed both two shirts. I snapped it as fast as I could. 
And that piece of paper, the same one that we soaked in bleach, soaked in the bathtub, pulled on with tweezers, pulled on with the exacto knife, scraped with a razor blade, and it would not come off the shirt to the floor. <laughs> oh, so that's it. You got to pull on the sleeves. Great. He said, now, did the paper come off? It did. He said, how does your logo look? I said, kind of distorted because it's going all kinds of different directions. It's really big at the top where the sleeves are, really small at the bottom. He said, now you got to stretch it all the way around until the image looks like it's supposed to. I said, okay. So I pulled it in every direction. And now I've got a logo this big. I mean, I'm a big guy, but this is like a 5X size logo on a 2X size t-shirt. It is way stretched. He said, how's it look? I said, really big and stretched. He said, well, that's because the shirt's hot. When you wash it the first time, it'll be fine. He said, I want you to look real close at the logo. Does it, does it look like it's still sitting on top of the fabric? And so I pulled it right up to my eye and I looked really close and I said, no, actually it looks like the color was on the thread when they sewed it together. Like even the threads that are intertwined, it looks like the color was inside them and between them when they tied them together. He said, now you've done it right. You always got to pop and stretch. Pop it, then stretch it. That was the secret. That was the key. Now, I could have been making t-shirts till the cows come home. Psh, every time with a cheap t-shirt. Psh, with an expensive t-shirt. Psh, with a cheap transfer. Psh, with an expensive transfer. And guess what I've got? The same crap over and over and over. The insanity and over and over again. Because I wasn't doing something that I had to be doing right to get it right. And no amount of doing that over and over and over again would have revealed those two secrets. Heat the shirt first. Pop and stretch it when you're ready to release it. If you don't do those two things when you're making your own t-shirts at home... You're going to get really expensive crap. And by the time it's said and done and you've wasted what I did, two or three dozen shirts of various qualities, transfers of various qualities, and a whole lot of ink and time, you probably should have just had one ordered from Cafe Press and paid the 50 bucks and call it a day. But if you follow the process I just gave you, preheat it, trim your logo within a quarter inch of the color, pop it to release the paper and stretch it to make sure that all of the other transfer residue is gone and all you have left is the ink on the fabric. And you're going to have an entirely different result. Now, I've taken a little more time to be a little more elaborate with that story for one very particular purpose. I want you to understand that in the process of telling that story, there's a little humor, there's a little... I failed myself. There's a little reality. All of it is true and authentic. You can ask my wife. She was just as frustrated with me in my t-shirt making process. And so were my kids. And oh, here's a good one for you. That particular t-shirt that I made that particular time with the old man on the phone. I still have it. 15 years later, the color is still on that stupid shirt. It has been washed and laundered and worn at events over and over and over again. And it's still holding up because it was done right. See, I've practiced that story 
thousands of times. I've delivered it, like I said, in almost every signature talk that I've done. I've given that story as an illustration or a teaching point in the aspects of leadership, communication skills, public speaking, even the process that I teach called the Story Power Masterclass. And if you did what I asked you to do and you're taking notes and asking yourself along the way, were there some teaching points, some things that I learned, some aha moments that I should have applied in my own life to my own kind of story? Then you've just won in two or three different ways because hopefully you were a little bit entertained by the story. That's kind of the reason that I've practiced the various voice inflections and the and the other things of funny that I've embedded in there. But see, there's a whole lot in that story that are practical teaching moments as well. And if you've gleaned those, I'd love to know what you've gleaned. If you've looked at a story in your own life and went, I have a very similar story. Maybe it had nothing to do with t-shirts, but it was making brownies or it was making biscuits or it was, I don't know, fixing your car. Whatever it is that you have experienced trying to do it yourself several times, not getting the advice that you needed from the right people. And then all of a sudden wisdom comes along when the teacher is, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. Wisdom comes along and you learn and you go, I wish I'd known that sooner. I wish I'd caught on to that earlier. I wish I'd asked the right person in the first place. See, that's what a good coach does. They help you shorten the learning curve. So does a mentor, because a mentor's been there. But a coach and a mentor are different. The mentor assumes, I've been there, just ask me and I'll tell you. The coach says, no, I think the best advice is already in you. You just haven't put your finger on it yet. I'm going to help you discover what you already know. Maybe that you've been hiding from yourself or unwilling to admit. That kind of changes the whole ballgame for you because when you own the information, you do something different with it than when somebody else gives it to you. True story. But when it comes to story, there are going to be stories that come to mind. And when you decide in the moment, hey, this, is a, this would be a great story. Perhaps you haven't asked over and over who's going to be intrigued with the story, who's going to be triggered by this story? Who's going to find all of the illustrations in this story to be worthwhile, attractive to them, magnetic to them? Who's going to hear it and go, oh yeah, I see myself in that story. And who's going to hear it and go, you're obviously not talking to me. You obviously know nothing about me. You're just talking about yourself again. Now here's the truth. If you study enough human psychology, there will always be the haters that feel like when you're telling a story that you're the central character in, you're only talking about yourself. Usually that's because they're unteachable and they're uncoachable. They've got a little bit of narcissism in themselves. And so if you're not talking to them about them, they feel like you're leaving them out. That's their own kind of psychosis. Leave it alone. It's not worth the trouble. And even if they did become your coaching client or your client in whatever other services you offer, you would eventually fire them because they're very difficult people to deal with. Just ask anybody in coaching. They'll tell you they've had their own. Sometimes the most freeing thing you can do is fire a client who's paying you good money. Trust me. Now, here's the other reality. There are going to be things that you want to embed in your story because to you they're fascinating. And they have no value at all. They're not humorous, they're not informative, they're not engaging. They don't cause somebody to stop and think, they're not contemplative. 
And if those things come to your mind and you think, oh, that would really make the story better because that's what really happened, and yet it has no value for anybody else, I'd like you to take that little part of the story and just set it aside. In fact, here's what I encourage you to do just to, just to see. Take that portion of the story, extract it from that story, and try to share it with somebody that cares about you who will tell you the truth. Just that one tidbit. And see if it causes engagement. See if people go, that, that was actually quite clever, the way you discovered that, or the way that you said that, or the way that you applied that. And if you get some of that, then you can plug it back into the story, maybe just in a different place, or maybe it belongs in a different story. That aha moment for you, maybe in that scenario was an aha moment because that's how it happened, but it's a better observation for a better story. These stories that I'm encouraging you to tell, the original, the authentic, the one that you lived through, those stories are powerful because they demonstrate to people your credentials, i.e. your education, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I'm working with one particular client right now who has significant education in significant arenas, but without throwing that into a resume of people going, la, 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 la. I said, there are ways that we can embed that fact as a humorous observation into another story. And so what we're looking for right now is we're kind of like a crochet needle pulling stories from her life where if you knew that about her education, you would go, wow, that's, <laughs> that's very impressive. And yet the sleight of hand in the manipulative nature of the words that says, because I know this, I should have known that, but I didn't. It's kind of self-effacing. It's kind of self-deprecating. It's, it's kind of self-revelatory. And yet it's also, you may not have known this about me, but let me tell you. You know, I, my other jacket has it. I have a lapel pin. It has a, a, a bird in the middle. Well, it's not just a bird. It's, it's an American eagle. But it's a very specific American eagle. It's actually the seal of the President of the United States of America. And from a distance, people often see it and they go, oh, I'm also a veteran. And I shake their hands. And then they look close to see what branch of service. And when they see that it doesn't say Air Force, Army, Navy, Marines, it says... President of the United States, they look really close and they're like, what is that? What did you do? And I said, that's my Lifetime Achievement Award. Usually leads to a conversation. Now, if you just go around with a big, bold, I received the Lifetime Achievement Award. There are a lot of people who've received a Lifetime Achievement Award. There are a lot of people that are nominated for the Lifetime Achievement Award. It's pretty cool to have one. It's always a great conversation starter. It's good for credentials to say, I do things that are outside of myself because that's how you get it. You have to have a certain number of volunteer hours, thousands of volunteer hours doing things for other people. That's how you get one. But how it applies, that's different. The question is, can you find a way to put that information into your story without sounding braggadocious? That, my friends, takes practice. If you need help with that, I'll be glad to. By the way, that's what I do as a coach. I help people tell better stories better. I'm Jay Lauren Norris with Leading Leaders Podcast.
for Tell It Like It Is TV. Lauren is a master teacher on storytelling, and I learned so much. Um, I'm really going to have to sit down and go back through everything, and I think I might have to have some more coffees with Lauren, but uh, it was totally worth my time, and I really highly recommend it if you're looking to grow your ministry, grow your business, uh, grow your career. Uh, Lauren will serve you well. Thank you. Subscribe now for our extensive video library of leadership lessons promoting faith, family, and freedom.